This is the Quadrant Podcast, Episode 6. Welcome to this episode of the Quadrant Podcast. In true adventurer fashion, this episode's guest is coming to us from a random Wi-Fi found in Bali, in the middle of a, an adventure. So that means this is going to be a little bit of a lo-fi episode, but, you know, adventure, let's just live with it. Uh, my name is Matt e I'm 22 years old, and I come from Colorado in the United States. Uh, it's my friend Shannon. Um, I started traveling because uh, it's really hard for me to say exactly why I started traveling, but um, I suppose it was just a series of uh, poor decisions that led me to a very confused point in my life where I was wondering what the point of what I was doing back home in school was and, and what the bigger meaning to all of it was. And this kind of realization that my whole life up to that point had taken place among 70 miles of interstate in Colorado, like all of the world I really knew. Um, so I decided that kind of on a dual basis, I wanted to go see the bigger world, but I also just had this feeling that there was parts of me that I wasn't going to discover being where I was and I, I really could escape just the same kind of cyclical existence that I found myself in in Colorado and it seemed hugely important to me to 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 grow up in the world away from home, home so that I come back and see my home kind of just as a healed person with uh, with new eyes really okay um, yeah. That is the best reason for traveling. Uh, and when, <laughs> um, when do you start traveling? I mean, how long ago? Uh, uh, technically, I left home in uh, July of last year, 2013, okay. um, for a period of about 48 hours while I was detained and deported from the United Kingdom. Um, that's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds uh, like it. Uh, uh, but I've been successfully away from home since August so depending on how you consider my travels beginning 10 months or nine months <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I've made it from uh, Perth Australia I went all the way across Australia and then went to Malaysia made a big loop around Malaysia went up to Thailand uh, until I heard an amazing story about climbing a volcano in uh, Indonesia And so now I'm on the island next door to that volcano on Bali in Indonesia. Okay. It sounds like such a mystical experience that I was happily able to just throw away whatever plans I had made for Thailand and found and make this big zag across Southeast Asia at this point. Okay. Um, which doesn't bother me the slightest because it's been an amazing adventure. <laughs> nice. All right. So... Do you have a clear idea of what story are you going to tell us today? Yeah, it's it's kind of a somewhat longer. Um, I hope that's okay, but it's it's really about um, 
Oh, it's about uh, this guy who I now consider like a brother of mine, but I had met uh, for roughly 30 seconds uh, before I left home. Okay, interesting. Um, please please just continue. This, uh, okay, well, um, so a short little prelude is that uh, if it wasn't for what happened to me in the UK with getting deported, which I still don't really know why that all happened, um, I got sent home and was stuck at my parents, my dad's house in Colorado. Um, at this point, I had basically spent a year of my life preparing myself totally changed my life. I had uh, broken up with my girlfriend, quit my dropped out of school, and uh, given up my apartment. So I was like, I had done everything to like break all ties home. And within 48 hours, I was stuck in my parents' basement. Um, with nowhere to go, so I found myself kind of drifting around Colorado restlessly and aimlessly while I was figuring out like how to get back on my feet. And... Um, through a kind of strange series of events, events I had uh, the idea to get to Australia with a working visa. And so once I kind of went through all the red tape to get a flight sorted out and a working visa and a place to go, um, I just was waiting for my flight uh, to leave, which was a period of one month. And um, I went back to the town that I had come from, which is Fort Collins, Colorado, and went looking there for uh, a book by an author named Bill Bryson called uh, In a Sunburn. It's just this hilarious travel book about this guy Bill going to all places in Australia and just writing Can you repeat the name of the book again? Um, in America, it's called In a Sunburned Country, but, but my understanding is the rest of the world knows it as Down Under. All right. Um, and yeah, it's just this hilarious collection of stories that Bill gains going everywhere in Australia and he's super informative about the whole thing so it's like a really great look at uh, whatever he writes about it gives you a really, really great about that place and I went all over Fort Collins looking for this one. no no place in town had it there was one store left to look at uh, and it was this used bookstore that I really didn't expect to have. very mundane books I went in and within maybe two minutes of just looking through the shelves of random books I found a copy of this book for like two dollars which was amazing uh, and so I you know thumb through to make sure it's all there and decide I'm gonna okay I'm gonna go buy this a clerk uh, up at the counter there was nobody else in the store so he just asked me what the book was about oh, it's about Australia and it's just hilarious I know I'd read one other book by Bill Bryson about England so I knew I was gonna enjoy it um, and he, uh, why I was getting this book to Australia I was like oh well I'm leaving in two weeks to go to Australia for, at the time I was planning on being there for a year. And he's like, no way, I was planning on uh, going to Australia like in October. This is back in August. Okay. Um, and so, you know, he had no plans for what he, he just, he basically me that he just needed to get the hell out of Dodge, as he put it, to get, out, get away from home. And that Australia seemed like the place to go. So I was like, well, hey, uh, you want to meet up and and have someone to travel with? Like, here's my name and my Facebook and my email. So like, look me up, and maybe we can meet up and you know go on a hike or something. That's all I was really planning at the time. So meanwhile, I go to Australia and do a little bit of traveling. Um, 
things led me to settling down in Perth, Perth on this uh, this horsing property. It wasn't quite a ranch, but just like a horse property. Uh, looking after a girl who has uh, Cree du Chat syndrome. Very eye-opening experience. And um, I was there for about a month and had really honestly forgotten that I had made these plans with my friend Austin uh, when suddenly he messaged me, messages me and says that he has his flight to Perth and that he wanted me to pick him the airport. Um, and I was so for, uh, coming two weeks from the day he sent that message and so we scrambled to make plans and we ended up uh, buying a van together that we found, uh like the Australian equivalent of Craigslist. <laughs> and uh, this is seriously the only conversation I'd ever had with him was like seriously 30 seconds long while I was buying the book from him and just casually suggested if he's going to Australia maybe we should meet up. So I'm driving to the airport with our new that he half owns. Uh, I was wondering like exactly what I I had got myself into. <laughs> um, and he shows up and, you know, I pick him up from the airport and it's just a very, like a very standard, like, I don't know you and you don't know me, but we're in the same car, so let's make small talk kind of thing. <laughs> um, I, I took him back to the farm that I was staying at and uh, we stayed there with the family for uh, about two, two weeks. Um, just, you know, being with the family, uh, helping with the kind of taking care of just like the cleanup and building on the property family um, was kind of this is a very isolated uh, very small like hamlet about an hour from Perth and they was very concerned for our travels that we were not seeing anything of Australia save for their very small property so they almost forced us away from staying with them to go tour somewhere and so we're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, we got nothing but Tilly. We can go explore anywhere. Let's open up a map and pick somewhere to go. And so we look around West Australia uh, and pick this little spot called Exmouth, which on the map looked like, you know, you could drive there in a day. And we went and talked to them about the plan. They just basically started laughing at us at first, thinking that we could make it there in, you know, an eight-hour drive. It ended up taking us four days to make it in this van. Four days. Um, four days, yes, of just driving through nothing but empty desert. We didn't see just anybody else the whole way to uh, Exmouth. The whole way. Uh, uh, and it was really quite staggering to see, like, to see Australia on the map compared to seeing Australia from the ground. It's just so mind-numbingly vast. It was, it was quite a... A, uh, it gave you some real perspective about how big people are in the big picture of things, <laughs> or how small people are. Um, so, Austin and I, neither of us have any really like mechanical background. Just bought like the cheapest van I could find that turned on and everything seemed to work. And this ending a van that was 10 years older than both of us, <laughs> built in 1984. Um, and so, we really were doing, like, we are just totally flying by the seat of our pants. Two kids who don't know the first thing about each other are taken off into the desert together in this, like, ramshackle van that had a lot of issues, as, as we would discover. Um, so we're going to Exmouth, taking a lot longer than we thought. So we have more time to, to really get to know each other than we expected. At first, it was a little bit of a hassle to get over because... Uh, 
it was coming on uh, Australian like dry season where we were going up north, and it was about 40 to 45 degrees Celsius every single day that we were driving our van. There was no air conditioning in our van, and like opening the windows you couldn't do because you instantly swarmed by flies. So there were two kids sitting in this van with no music, just like steaming and struggling very hard to make conversation with the more, you know, just sleep-deprived and, and, and comfort-deprived came. <laughs> and so um, about the third day, we come up on this really small, we needed gas, we come up on this really small town called uh, Carnarvon. And um, while we're there, we, we just stopped to get a cup of coffee. English guy and makes like a double take at us and then keeps walking. And then like, his, like moonwalks back into view and says, excuse me, guys. And we're like, what? And he just like holds up this little bumper sticker that says, out and no dope to smoke. And he's, <laughs> he's like, you guys, can you guys send us in the right direction? We're like, no, man, we're sorry. Like, we don't know where to find it. We didn't even care about looking for anything to smoke. And um, so he's like, ah, oh, it's okay. I'll make around, whatever. And, and uh, he's around the corner and you hear this like, sort of like, it sounded like, I imagine two lions tearing apart like an antelope sounds like, and then this this other ramshackle van just like ambles out, you know, expelling all this nasty black gas, and then it's him and his girlfriend in the car, and they just like tear off up north towards Exmouth, and we just thought it was hilarious, and we'd never see him again. A couple hours later, when we've got all our, you know, we've restocked our supplies and gassed up, and we're going for towards. Um, we're driving along the highway in the middle of nowhere, and our van starts like getting this kind of sputter where it's, it feels like the engine is losing oh, its ability to like actually push the car. Yeah, I know. And uh, at the time, we thought it was just that the van was so old uh, that the heat, like the, just the insane heat of the days, was just killing the van. So we decided that we would stop anytime we found a single tree to park under, which is a very difficult task to do back yeah, Australia uh, we would park under and the next tree we found sure enough there was this English guy and friend doing the exact same thing because they also <laughs> had no air conditioning in their car so we stop and hang out with them for a little while and discover they're also heading towards Exmouth uh, so we decide that we would just link up and travel together as like a little you know family caravan kind of thing yeah. uh, strength in numbers and it's good to have two vehicles given that both vehicles were in massive states of disrepair uh, uh, better to have you know two as opposed to one yeah um, so makes it all the way to Exmouth and the reason we had picked Exmouth is we heard there was a there is a, a reef near Exmouth Galoo um, it is it's the same type of reef as the Great Barrier Reef but it uh, comes all the way up to the shore Wow. Uh, and it's a lot smaller, so it's it's not like it's not on tourist maps. It's not really a tourist destination, and it's absolutely in the middle of nowhere. So you really have to want to go to get, get there. Um, and we thought it was like right outside of Exmouth, um, but it turns out you had to like drive up to Exmouth and then around this peninsula for about another hour and a half before you get into this uh, that, that actually encompasses all of the dive sites that the reef. 
is. And so we get there and it's late in the day and we set up camp and just kind of hang out, no issues. And we're going to go snorkeling the next day. And there's all these amazing snorkeling sites all across the reef. Um, and uh, uh, so we meet this guy uh, the next day who's a, somewhat local. He's from some part nearby in Australia. I can't remember the name. Um, and he is telling us of this amazing dive you have to swim out to, uh, like past the break in the reef. It's like, ended up being like two kilometers offshore. And I was the only one who went with him. And it was another terrifying story. Um, and while I was out there, he told me of another great dive site that you can only go to at high tide. So when we get back, back to, um, to shore, we decide to go down, uh, it's about a half hour away from where we were. We go down to the next dive site. As we're driving, we park in the parking lot and we turn off the car and notice this like really really hideous shut uh, as the engine is turning off and like it's just so ominous neither of us knew at all what to expect um but we turned on the car right away to make sure that like things still worked and the car turned on just fine so we thought it was just maybe like the engine's getting old and when we get back to perth maybe we should have it looked at, at just safe i'm fully expecting uh, you um, to, to say that the band exploded at some point so. no no it gets it gets better <laughs> um <laughs> So we go diving and we're hanging out with this guy. His name is Andy. And uh, while we're just, you know, on the beach having lunch and drinking some beer, he tells us that uh, we were there in, in early November of last year. And mm -hmm. November, December is uh, the time when sea turtles come and beach themselves to, like, dig in hand and lay eggs. Okay. And do it all over. Yeah, it was incredible. They do it all over. Um, Angler Reef, but they only come on at night. Uh, so you have to be willing to like go to these dive, these beaches at around midnight. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, which we, you know, whatever we thought that wasn't a problem. I've never seen turtles in the wild before, let alone like coming to lay eggs. So I was like, yeah, let's totally do that. Um, so the best, according to him, the best beach to see that was an hour in the other direction from our campsite. So we go back to our camp site dinner and, and we're not really worried about anything because our van gets there just fine wake up at 11 o'clock at night and start driving and everything's okay still uh but this is the first time that we had ever driven at night in australia it was a huge uh i don't i don't want to say it's a huge no-no but it's a very uh risky thing to do because okay. that's when the kangaroos come out Uh, and move between. <laughs> that's what the kangaroos come out. Wow. That's when the kangaroos come out, and we had, we, we had you know a few tales, but it's it seemed to me like the equivalent of driving at night in the cars and like just be aware of deer and elk on the road and they'll move. <laughs> uh, and maybe you know maybe it'd be like one or two kangaroos. And as soon as we pull out of like the campsite area, we're on the main highway. It's almost immediately apparent that there are literally thousands of kangaroos just mindlessly bounding all over the place like i i can't even like there's no words to describe how chaotic these just just throw themselves all over everything you can see and this is 11 o'clock at night and we're kind of rushing to get there around midnight because that's when we're supposed to meet andy so we're going about 60 70 kilometers an hour and uh it's okay at first because we have like high beams and And uh, we're able to swerve around the kangaroos. Kangaroos have absolutely no concept of fast-moving objects and <laughs> being away from them. So, like, 
even if they're standing on the side of the road, motionless, and watching your coach, they will out, like, according to Murphy's Law, just pick, like, the last second to start hopping across the road, and you either have to, like, slam on the brakes or swerve into the oncoming lane of traffic, which is empty because it's 11 o'clock at night in the middle of nowhere. You have to, like, you have to swerve around these animals, otherwise you're going to kill them and probably destroy your vehicle in the process. So it was kind of like running this this weird Australian outback of a gauntlet just trying to get to this beach. And it was okay. It's like I was on so much adrenaline just dodging these kangaroos that I, I had it on like no problem. We end up driving past the exit for the beach that we need and we don't realize it until we get back to almost like Exmouth comes back into view. So we stop and pull off the road and think, okay, we've gone way too far. Let's reconnoiter and turn around. And uh, we're with the guys in the other van as well. Uh, so they turn on their van and turn around. And then we turn on the van and do this. Except uh, no lights that work anymore. The only thing that has turned on is the engine. There's no, there's no speedometer because conveniently we had an electronic display. So we didn't know how fast we were going. Uh, uh, we had no lights, so we were basically driving as blind as you possibly can move a vehicle. And this is with this is with the knowledge that we know uh, there's just hundreds of possible landmine kangaroos everywhere across the road. And uh, so we we linked our friends. We were I have to basically with their their rear light in my face. So I must have been two and a half feet from their rear bumper. And we're still kind of moving at pace. Like I was trying to tell them, please go because I don't know like what's anywhere around me anymore. And I'd like maybe go 20. I think they were probably going 50 without really knowing it. Um, for the next 20 minutes, it was probably like Austin and I had not said a thing to each other because it was so. And this whole time in, in uh, Cape Range National Park was the name of the park. It just like all the the heat and the the tension of like what might or might not be wrong with the car, uh, and just like kind of of like learning that we're slightly different travelers. Uh, it was just all starting to come to a head, and we had just like just started outright arguing and fighting with each other and being very tongue in cheek and passively aggressive. So when the van was like barely moving, there was absolutely to pure silence in the car, wondering like when it's gonna just manifest in Exotic Kangaroo. And it's so scary. Thankfully, uh, we made it to the right beach and Andy was found. So our car like limps into a parking spot. We turn it off and we can't turn it back on. It's just completely dead. And we just sit there, both just like staring out at the ocean, not saying a word to each other. This, like we're stuck miles and miles and miles from our campsite with a dead van. We don't have any of our, our camp because it's all set up back at, at the campsite and we can't move our van. So it's just like, and we're, we're just so out of our depth. Like there's, I got to put it into words. And um, we decided, okay, well, we came all this way. Like, let's see if we can at least, if nothing else, go find a turtle. Yep. And we, we stepped out of the van and Almost instantly, it was just, I don't know, don't know how to put it into words. 
this sea breeze just came and it seemed to like blow off like tension and anger and just like just cool you down and refresh you mm-hmm. and just open your eyes and you look around and there's so far from civilization that there's there's nothing but like there's no moon out and there's nothing but stars lighting the sky that you can see perfectly and it was like it was the most incredible thing um you probably anyone who's been to australia at least anyone i talked to like the one theme that came up in anybody i talked to no matter who they were or where they went or what they were into was like astonishing the sky in australia is and obviously like the sky that you go anywhere you look up it's the same size but for whatever reason australia it just seems infinitely bigger and i think it's because you're on the other side of the planet from where i was born and you can see just hundreds of thousands of more stars but it was like i was like being born again it was the most amazing thing so we go onto the beach and suddenly there's just like this turtles crawling crawling and they're all like in different stages of digging holes or laying eggs so we just kind of walked around in and not not any more like a negative tense kind of silence just a very awestruck and miraculous silence just like watching nature i don't know put on like the most unbelievable show for us and by the time we get back to the van like there's no there's no more ill will there's no more electricity in the air it's just like okay the van's dead but it's okay because that's the price you pay for seeing something that very few people that we met or any or have ever met have seen yes wow. um and it was just so incredible like it, it the moment of, of where it's just like every possible thing that we had thought was going to go wrong had gone wrong and yet we somehow still like we were treated to this unbelievable show and i don't know it's totally taken care of when when you strip away all the all the fears that your mind creates so we looked at ourselves and realized that we hadn't hit a kangaroo we had made it to exactly where we wanted to be seeing more than what we bargained for and we're t- totally blown away by it um, our friends gave us a ride back to their campsite uh, just for the night because we figured you know we could deal with the van in the morning have a good night you know just relax go to sleep let the problems wait till tomorrow and we wake up in the morning mm-hmm. um we see these this French couple nearby packing up, and I just pack them if they have uh, uh, you know jumper cables or a battery charger or anything. And they said, "Yeah." And they um, they started charging their battery charger, and they took us they took us uh, back to our van, which was conveniently a um, back to Exmouth with the way they had to go anyways, and uh, started up our van, no problem. Um, so we were able to coast back to Exmouth with uh, the minor charge that they gave us. And I um, thought we were going to make it all the way back to town. But our, our van died uh, about, so I'd say, probably 10 minutes from city limits, which was <laughs> convenient because we had had the foresight to realize that we were to embark across Australia on a very long journey and a very risky van so we invested in some roadside assistance plan that kicked in when you were within 10 kilometers of a city that had more than 2,000 people and <laughs> Exmouth has 2,006 people uh, like on the um, census, the Australian census and we're uh, 9 kilometers from town 
<laughs> so uh, we stop someone and get a call or make make a phone call to our, our resistance, and they send a car to pick us up for free with our van that gets us all the way into town. And they take us to an auto electrician, and at this point, you know, we didn't really care anymore what it would cost to fix the van. Like we were just happy to see what we saw and to just have those experiences, you know, very precious. Uh, so we dropped the car off at the auto electrician in the morning the next And he tells us it's only going to take him a couple hours. Uh, and we figured uh, that it was going to be pretty expensive because um, electricians in Australia generally charge anywhere from $120 to $150 an hour oh. in the, in the oh. capital cities. And this is, this is about 16 or 17 hours from the nearest capital city. So we were expecting $200 an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought, okay, it's okay, like, well, maybe $800 to fix the van. If we split that in half, it's 400 bucks. Like, could be a lot worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we come back at noon, and it's, we've given him four hours to see, you know, if it's ready. And they're still just, like, taking off pieces of the car to get to what they diagnosed was the alternator had died. Um, just completely went kaput. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, I come back, you know, six, six, and I'll have it ready for you. And so we're like, okay, starting to panic because neither, like the two of us, we didn't even have uh, $1,500 to get all the way back to Perth. So we're starting to panic, wondering how, how we're just even going to get home. <laughs> and uh, we waited out. We just kind of sit in a coffee shop all day nervously sipping coffee and smoking cigarettes. I was smoking cigarettes. He doesn't smoke. And uh, go back to the shop at 6. And the car is just there ready for us. And the electrician comes out and gives us a bill. Uh, and it was $300. And he had charged us for one hour of work and didn't charge us for the parts, which they replaced the alternator. Okay. Uh, and we were just like sitting there with like our mouths hanging off our jaws, you know, wondering like, how this could possibly be right, but afraid to ask if it was right uh, for fear of the fact that maybe they left a zero off the price or, you know, something <laughs> like that. And we decided that we want to be honest about it and do, you know, we don't want to take advantage of negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to put anything negative into the air and then, you know, come back and karmically bite us later on. Um, so we go ask him, like, is it really $300 or is it... No, 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 no. Like, I... I can see it on your guys' faces, like, you just need, like, a leg up, and, like, I, like, I've been in the same place before, so, like, just pay it forward. And so we just paid him for what he asked for, uh, and then saddled up, and we had to part way with our very close friends, uh, and Naima, the couple we met. Uh, they were going the other way from X, they were going back towards Perth. Um, and we made it back to Perth uh, without a hitch. And it was, you know, absolutely amazing because the way back, like, suddenly there was no, like, we were just laughing the whole way, talking about whatever came up, kind of realizing there was differences in who we were and, like, what we were, in, our intentions for traveling were, but kind of realizing that there's, like, very beautiful things and the different kind of bring us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was, like, the most pleasant ride I had back, you know, there was... Once again, we were totally on our own. Not a we didn't. The car that we got, so you know, within a couple hours of Perth, and 
saw once you see you know, got to see some amazing sunsets together and we would sleep out under the stars and talk about you know good and bad things that had happened to us in our lives and like why we thought we were traveling and what we hoped to find and really like by the time we got home and this this was you know, all together about I think it was 10 9 or 10 days we had gone from being like complete strangers to being like closer than you know, best friends who have known each other since, like before they can consciously remember were like that Austin is like truly like a brother of mine now and we ended up going once we got back to Perth we ended up traveling all the way across Australia together to wow. Brisbane um, mm-hmm. without without a single problem ever arising again with the van or between us like it just I don't know every second after that was was just I can't say ecstasy because there was, you know, there was some difficult moments to, to deal with. We went through it, you know, together and at the end of things always found ourselves closer together than further apart. And it was, you know, um, I was on a working visa in Australia so I could be there for a year and he had gotten just a three month tourist visa. So um, our goal was, was uh, we went to this amazing music festival in near Brisbane, which is like totally fulfilled every hippie dream either of us had ever had uh and right afterwards he um he needed to leave the country or or get a new visa and so he went to new zealand and um i had never really thought about you know the the parting moment between us because we we live in the same town back home and you know i knew we'd see each other again but it was like it was definitely the hardest goodbye that ever ever experienced life was like taking him to another airport and watching him walk onto the plane um and afterwards you know i had a little bit of downtime to myself before my next plans kicked in and so i was just sitting on reflecting on my whole journey with him as it's been so far and just realized like the absolute importance of of surrender and and kind of just letting your guard down with somebody and being who you are whether it's good or bad and, and really finding out that like what you do when you're pushed to such intense experiences really like it very feels reveals your true colors and makes for some very long-lasting bonds and it, it, I don't know I, I, I never expected myself to get somebody so quickly and so so flawlessly it's almost like how yin and yang come together the, the way that I see it and um, yeah since then like he's He's been one of the most influential people in my life because the interaction I had with him has ended up guiding the interactions I've had with every person that I've met. And I've been able to to not be afraid to kind of let myself hang out and and, and I don't know. It's very stunning. I don't know. I don't really know how to wrap that story up. It's, it's kind of ongoing. So. Have you seen him again? Uh, not yet. Um, he went to New Zealand and he was working in some vineyards for a little while and I was kind of haphazardly uh, drifting up and down the east coast of Australia and actually it was interesting. I encountered some people uh, in, in, in Brisbane. Uh, this, we couch surfed with this amazing guy, Damon, uh, who put us up while, while uh, we were waiting for Austin's flight from Brisbane to take him to... New Zealand and so he saw us together 
and then he went with us to the airport and then I was going to go elsewhere up the coast of Queensland and my plans up there totally fell apart almost instantly and I had to go back to Brisbane kind of like with my tail between my legs and Damon took me back again and saw me again without without Austin as my you know traveling companion and was the first person to comment the almost night and day difference between who I was with and without Austin and I guess that's probably when I started realizing like how truly important Austin has become to me. Um, Austin himself, uh, he went from New Zealand to India uh, where he's now done uh, Buddhist, he went, he became a temporary monk in a Buddhist monastery. Oh, wow. um, I, I believe he's done some work in the national parks with tigers. I'm not sure if that's if that's true or not and then he's just kind of been you know, and seeing what life is like on a completely other mode of existence. Um, but he actually messaged me a couple days ago to ask me what uh, my plan, after, I'm, after I leave Indonesia, I'm going to Myanmar, uh, which is conveniently about halfway between me and him right now. Uh, his visa is going to expire right when I get to Myanmar, so he's, I think we're going to meet up together in Myanmar and hopefully experience one of the greatest secrets on earth together again, which I really can't imagine a better person to go do that with. Um, well, uh, be yeah. sure you, um, your story is really good. Uh, there is, it's a very adventurous, and there is a human connection to it, and there is yes, uh, so, so, so much things. You, you really, you really have lived through this. Uh, I that... think, I think, I would say that I've thrived through it. And yeah. hey, like, it, there's, there's a difference between just living and surviving, and and planting seeds. You know, like I, I couldn't have imagined in just a random bookshop in Fort Collins, Colorado would lead to so many beautiful experiences for us to see and so many beautiful things for me to have in my life uh, just to shape me as a person just because of, you know, buying a book <laughs> and a used bookstore. Um, yeah, what else? <laughs> no, that, so that's it. That's it. It's, it really... It's... It's a really good episode. This is really good. Thank you. Thank you awesome. very much yeah. for sharing that <laughs> story you. with us. Thank you for letting me share. I, I really didn't expect that to go on for like a half hour, but that's awesome. <laughs> no, it's it's really good, and we we are very happy with the way this ended. This this is a very mm, touching episode. It has a very very Excellent. strong human human feeling to it. So just and before, exactly yeah, just before we uh, we cut off, I saw in your email that you have a blog where you're sharing your experiences and your your travels, right? Yes. Yeah, give us the name so people can yes. go on, go to give, online. Give us the name. Uh, you can make a shout out. Okay. Uh, the blog is called uh, Sojourns and Sagas. Uh, but at the moment, I am too poor to afford my own domain name, so you can access it at www.sojournsandsagas.wordpress.com, uh, or you can Google Sojourns and Sagas, and I'm pretty sure I'm the first one that comes up. Uh, and that blog encompasses everything that I've done from this epic bike ride across uh, Colorado with my dad up until uh, uh, pretty much stepping on the plane to come to Bali, like just a few days ago. Uh, uh, kind of haphazardly updated 
as I find Wi-Fi and have enough things to write about. Uh, there's a bit of poetry, a bit of uh, tra traveling. Really, I just do everything that I can to inspire people to to break away from the same cycles they've been living in their whole lives and realize that, you know, I've been traveling for, like I said, nine or ten months, however you look at it, and I haven't done it with much money. Um, and I mean, I've lost the process, but I feel like I'm one of the richest people on the planet I've seen and done. And Absolutely. Just, and we want you, know, you to help you with that. We want you to, to help inspire. Absolutely. Well, if you guys want me to cover a number, any other episode, please, like, I don't want to hog all the airtime on Quadrant, but please let <laughs> me know. I've got many, many, many more stories to share. Awesome. Um, we will. Yeah, we will we'll be in contact with you. Yeah, Excellent. Very. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. Amazing. Thank you guys so much oh, for the you. opportunity. All right. Take care, man. Take care. All right. Take care too. Bye bye. Thanks, Matt, for your story. Before he had a chance to travel, he met in 30 seconds a person, and he didn't realize that in a few months after that, he would make a good friend out of him, a friendship that probably would last forever. So keep on traveling and keep sharing your story. Thanks, thanks again, and that will be it for today. Remember to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our mailing list so you always receive our podcast and keep in touch with the best traveling stories. Regards from Barcelona. This is it for today. Goodbye.